Welcome back to another episode of PPK. I don't know, boys. It's a little weird. Are you guys seeing what we're seeing are right now? Are you seeing what we're seeing? We are three in one studio. A uh, little bit of life-changing events, right, Keone? Yeah. We literally just moved to Arizona this past weekend, so... What better way to start off the vibes by getting all three of us in the studio for the first time in a year? In a year, yeah. And uh, we got, you know, we're gonna have some, you know, lighting's not, you know, perfect right now. Yeah, we're we working got, on it. We got new studio stuff. We got that camera. How you doing, Kelly? Talk to that one right there, real quick. How's What's it going up? over What's there? Good to see you. And uh, you know, we're improving, we're grooving, and yeah. let's get started. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, excited to be back again. Hopefully, you're enjoying the the consistency underneath the World of Blaze platform. So. Um, just yeah, happy to be here. Excited to be here. Happy to be back in studio with all three of the boys in the flesh. So uh, for this one, I mean, it's it's uh, I think it's appropriate that we kick it over to Keone. As, welcome back, baby. Uh, welcome Seriously, back, huh? As uh, we talk about the topic, because it will be a surprise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're they're not, not gonna know. Zero clue. Yeah, YouTuber lay and you <laughs> click on it. Keone, what are we talking about today? So the inspiration for this episode um, comes from two kind of uh, ideas. One is from the book Broken Gods by Dr. Greg Popcheck, um, and the other is from Christopher West and Theology of the Body and the recent training that I actually went to that's been uh, incredibly informative. So I just I encourage anyone to kind of dive in there if you can, uh, just even get a quick taste of it in any way. Um, so I I think. Something that stood out to me when going through both the book and Theology of the Body is the idea that the things we struggle with, right, the sins that we may struggle with, or even in a general way, as you see the title, The Seven Deadly Sins, there's actually something deeper there that is good. And I think when I was growing up, you, you hear the seven deadly sins, it's like these big monsters that are kind of chasing you and you got to run away from them as much as you can because they're going to eat you alive, right? So you're like constantly just trying to resist it. Right, And I think what, what Dr. Greg Popchick does in his book and, and what Christopher West does in Theology of the Body, what he does is say, no, there's a gift underneath all that. Mm. Right? Christopher West talks about the devil doesn't have his own clay, which means that God made all things good. And so the devil doesn't create evil. He distorts the good. Right? So if we can go underneath that, that deadly sin, whatever one we might struggle with or number of ones that we struggle with, we can see what God designs, the longing of our heart underneath that, so we can actually become more in tune and connected to God's grace. And that's something that was a complete shift in just how I, how I viewed my faith, how I viewed uh, the, the sins, the particular sins that I struggle with, and just kind of understanding, okay, Lord, what is it that you're placing in my heart? The struggle that I have is actually a yearning for you. If I can get in touch with the longing and not run away from it and not be scared of it, then I can actually fulfill it the way it was called to be, which is ultimately in God himself, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think this has been a complete shift. So um, Dr. Greg Popchuk, in his own way, he talks about taking on the three different, I guess, perspectives when it comes to our yearnings, okay? He talks about basically the addict, which is we indulge in the desires, right? So whatever it is, we're just trying to consume it as much as we can because our satisfaction comes from those things themselves, Right, so you become an addict. The other is you become a stoic. The stoic is you're so out of touch 
with a yearning um, that it's almost like you don't have any, no feelings at all, I don't have any desires. You suppress them, right? And the last one that Dr. Greg Popta talks about is the mystic. And the mystic, to me, it is realizing that the yearnings of your heart are a window to God himself, right? You're in awe of the divine because we were made to become like God, right? Divinized. Christopher West talks about it in a little different way. He likes to talk about what's called in the 1900s. A lot of us are raised in like the starvation diet. He likes to talk about, whereas, you know, we, we were basically told in a lot of ways, um, like body bad, soul good, right? So everything that's of the flesh is evil and you need to get rid of it and suppress it. And what happens? There's this great divorce uh, between the body and the soul. And if you think about it, what is, what is actual, the, the separation of body and soul is death itself, right? And so there's a lot of this, this idea that we've been completely um, misinformed, right, as far as how we view the faith. And so Christopher West talks about a lot of us are raised in the starvation diet where we've, we've almost ran away from um, the desires of the flesh and not recognizing what they truly are. That's the, the whole idea of suppression. That's the stoic that Dr. Greg Poptick talks about. Mm-hmm. And then he talks about the other extreme, Christopher West. He talks about the fast food diet. The fast food diet is the addict, right, who indulges in the desires of the flesh, thinking that they're going to ultimately satisfy you, right? And then lastly, he hit Dr. Uh, Christopher West. He talks about the idea of the third option, and the third option is the eternal banquet. That's the mystic who knows that the beauties of our heart are good, but they're ultimately going to be fulfilled when we're in eternal communion with God himself and the communion of saints. So this stood out to me because it has been a complete shift in how I view um, the spiritual life, how I view myself and my own body, how I view my desires and my faults. And I think this is something that can be important for all of us um, to adapt in our own life because we have particular struggles um, and how we um, grapple with them, how we view them can largely shape how we eventually, God willing, overcome them. Yeah, I mean, this is a, you know, we're talking about the seven deadly sins, also known as the seven capital sins. And I think if we, uh, I, I think the goal, as we were talking about just preparing for this, is to try to help you guys understand where that desire comes from. So that way you can kind of um, name it so you can tame it, right? So you can be able to understand that, okay, well, uh, you, you know, because obviously Christopher West is talking a lot about what uh, Pope St. John Paul II second talks about in theology of the body and we talk about that redeeming the arrows right that desire that you know god doesn't make mistakes um, i know a lot of uh, people out there try to try to make that claim but that desire stems from ultimately obviously a desire for god and so we're going to try to unpack that as we go through each of the, the the seven deadly sins and really what's at the root of it and then what's the opposite virtue so not just bring up the vice but just talk about how you can actually work on this as a people Meeks, got anything to add before we get into it? Let's do it. All right, let's get into it. So the first, the capital sin of the capital sins is pride, right? It's It happens to be um, what St. Thomas Aquinas calls the queen of all sins. Um, uh, the Catholic Encyclopedia uh, defines it very simply that it's the excessive love of one's own excellence, right? This just, I mean... I don't think I need to explain pride. We see that a lot in our our culture today, um, whether it be athletes, whether it be superstars, where people are just so full of themselves. And we and we all struggle with this. Let's just be honest, right? That it's something that we typically, um, even indirectly sometimes, it's self-love, right? So we may be 
um, doing a good, for instance, um, not because it's good in and of itself, but because I want the attention that comes with that. I want the affirmation from my friends or from the community like, oh man, he's a really good guy. And that's a temptation, especially when you're trying to do podcasts and you're trying to preach the gospel and you're trying to evangelize the world. What is the intention? Is it pure or is it self-serving? It's that indirect self-love, if you will. And so there's this um, temptation. If you look at the underlying desire, it's really this desire for an abundance to fill the the void, if you will, uh, the God-sized void, as St. Augustine would call it, right? That the God-sized void that can only be filled by God instead of us trying to fill it with, you know, world-sized cup, if you if you will, of the things of this world or the things that kind of puff me up. Um, St. Thomas Aquinas talks about like there's four forms of pride that comes up with this where he says like one is um, cl- claiming to have this perfection that you don't really have, right? I, we don't have any of that in the culture today, right? Like people claiming that they have certain, um, you know, perfections or uh, abilities or talents that they don't really have. And that's all day, every day. You think about Instagram, you think about TikTok, you talk about all of these social media platforms where people present themselves as one way, but they're really another, another way. Um, there's also... Uh, you know, talking about the perfections, um, having the perfections, but then not recognizing that God gave you those. So I have that the ability, you know, that's God given talent, booby miles, where I got all I got to do is show up, right? Um, but not realizing and thanking God for those perfections. The f- third form is um, actually uh, recognizing that God gave them to you, but then thinking that he, he gave them to you because you earned it, because you merited it, because you deserve it, right? That you're so good, John, that God gave you hair. <laughs> Helmet hair. <laughs> lucky you, dude. Yeah, yeah. Lucky, lucky you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, you have the world's best coffee if you, for the elf fans out there. Um, and then the last form is really like um, uh, recognizing, uh, you, you know, you have the perfection, recognizing that God gave it to you, but not wanting, not willing to share it with anybody else, right? So the, the ability to give it to other folks. So what's the opposite virtue of that vice? Quite simply, it's humility. So what is St. Thomas Aquinas? Obviously, you guys know I'm a, a third-order Dominican, so I'm typically going to lean on St. Thomas on this. But he'll say, it, it is, and you've heard Father Chad Ripperker say this, right? Is seeing yourself as you are, nothing more, nothing less. Very difficult in today's world. Why? Because everybody says, man, if you want it, go after it. You know, you can be anything you want to be and, and not to diminish people's ambition to 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 chase a dream, but to be realistic with yourself. Not everyone's going to be D1. Right. So so for those dads out there trying to live vicariously through your kids, um, it's less than one percent. Right. But that is an idea of pride that I'm going to uh, see myself, see even see others, my family members as more than they are. And so humility is a way that we can work. Uh, against that by seeing ourselves as we are nothing more nothing less not seeing less of ourselves but but thinking about ourselves less right is what you hear it so c.s lewis just the last thing on this one c.s lewis calls this the anti-god so pride is a capital of all sins Any, anything else you guys have to add on the pride piece yeah i think just briefly i think pride is the idea that my worth depends on the excellence that i i uh provide or show mm. right it's when we think about what is the the when when god says that we are called to be perfect right we're made to be perfect mm-hmm. pride says that i'm not lovable or worthy or acceptable until i reach that state of perfection so i'm going to outwill and outwork right outside of god i'm going to do it 
right? Until I get to that road of, or that end of perfection, and then I'll reach it all, right? Mm-hmm. And the saintly road is, is the humility and saying, here I am right here in this stage. There's, there's the perfect me that God calls me to be. I realize that there's a lot of gap between that. Humility is saying, Lord, I cannot do it without you. So we open ourselves up as a gift. In our humility, God gives us the grace. We respond. That response pulls us a step forward towards the path of perfection. Mm-hmm. Pride says, no, 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 no. God is not even here. I'm going to earn my way. I'll meet you over there at the end, God, mm-hmm. where finally I can be loved. Right? We can fall into this as athletes, as um, you know, academics uh, in, in attainment. It's this idea that I had to produce something in order to prove my worth. Yeah, well, you, I mean, you talked about that uh, way back when on one of the when the, one of the uh, episodes. But the other thing about it, I guess, simply stated, is self reliance. Mm-hmm. It's a temptation towards self reliance that I got this, I'll do this, I, you know, I will it, therefore it'll happen. And I think that's where pride steps in. Makes anything to add on pride? Yeah, uh, a wise guy once said, "Pride is the devil." I think he got a hold on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jermaine Cole said that. <laughs> um, anyways, and then a good book to um, if you're like struggling with pride, which means you're breathing and alive. Uh, read into Imitation of Christ, and Ooh. that'll get you. That'll get you right, dude. <laughs> so that's a really good one. <clears throat> Another one I think a uh, form of pride that I think is super prevalent, especially when I'm thinking about sort of uh, my generation, the Gen Zers that aren't sort of practicing the faith is this like, I guess this idea that you heard a, maybe you heard a really good argument or just you heard a argument um, against maybe like Judeo-Christian values and Western civilization um, and like from your professor. And then it's like this, like, aha, I got it. Right. So I got this thing that I can't answer, nor do I want to find the answer. It's just such a pride to be able to like lean on like, oh no, I've heard debates against the way that I know would challenge me and really uplift me and elevate the way I live my life. So therefore I get to just sit back. I think that's the biggest pride that we have. And at least in my generation is that like, that's already been argued. I don't, you know, like I, I just have to live this sort of good life and I had to put out, I had to manifest things or put out good energy and I'll get it back. And so I think that's a massive pride just to be able to say like, no, you, you have to ask those questions. Yes. And then you have to actually find the answer. It's your duty to find the answer. Right. And we mm-hmm. talked about this in like who goes to heaven um, a very complex question, but you don't just get to say like, oh, I wasn't raised in this way. I wasn't, do-. you know what I mean? It's yeah. all, I mean, it's kind of like sloth and obviously pride seeps into all these sins, but I think that's just a big level of pride Just say like, oh yeah, um, you know, but, but what about the crusades, huh? Nice dude, <laughs> sick. The first time someone brought that up, that's awesome. You know, it's just this like this prideful nature of like, man, I'm above this. You guys are still believing in that. And I think that's just so, it's so major. Same thing with, you know, um, left versus right it's just this pedestal game that we keep mm. playing with each other and it's like it's just never gonna get anywhere yeah now the second uh, capital sin deadly sin we're gonna be talking about is envy sometimes you hear it as jealousy and really this simply put is the discontent or sadness at the uh, the excellence the perfection or you know the the good that happens to somebody else so really you're like man you know somebody gets uh, you know, has a nice car, yeah, has nice clothes, has a good situation. D1. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that you're actually sad about that. Like you're discontent and it brings you a, a certain level of, um, you know, disquieting in your soul. And so it causes us to, you know, you talked about the divinization that we're all called to be like God. And so we're, there's a sense of sadness because we, 
we feel like we've been stripped or robbed that somebody else experiencing a certain level of excellence or perfection somehow strips us away. And so it's a disordered view of that kind of ache for that divinity. And really that's kind of rooted in where does our dignity lie? Mm -hmm. And so when you think about envy, it's, um, you know, one way to look at it, the way I've been kind of meditating on it is, is that uh, for, for whatever reason, we think that our, our value, identity, our purpose, our self-worth comes from the things that we, you know, uh, accumulate that the, from a title, from a position, from the number of followers or likes, um, uh, you know, because I mean, when you get 47 YouTube views on your mm. podcast, I mean, it can really get your head, you know what I mean? That's like true. it's probably, there's probably a lot of people out there that are envious of, of the PBK podcast right now, the, the World of Blaze platform. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. yeah but yeah, I just want you to, it's all right. One day you'll get there. One day you get there. So actually, in three days you'll get there. <laughs> if you just keep on. <laughs> yeah, matter of fact, if you pay some bots, you'll easily. Uh, yeah, there's there's plenty of people that that get, that get you those likes. But you know, we think about um, the uh, again this concept. I think the, the world is full of this because we're, we're we're matter of fact. If you um, if you know anything about Father Robert Spitzer, uh, he's he's one of our favorite priests, and he writes a book on the four levels of happiness, and he talks about. The second level being the self-ego comparison. The first level is really the base level of just the pleasure, right? So that everybody, and he says 70% of people are stuck in that level one, level two. And the level three, level four is, um, because there's four ways to say happiness in Latin, but that level three is actually doing something for somebody else, going outside of yourself, which is the the virtue that we would talk about, that element of kindness and charity. Um, and then the fourth is like the sublimitas where, uh, where it's actually transcend, you know, transcendent, and you're actually going above and beyond um, just uh, service to your fellow uh, man. You're actually going to obviously the the all powerful God. So this idea of envy really is trying to find your dignity and who you are as a beloved son or daughter of God, and resting in that and getting away from the kind of like this this self ego comparison. Meeks, what do you got to say about that one? On um, I think envy is a quite interesting one. Um, maybe this doesn't necessarily apply. I think it would apply, but I think when we live in an age of social media and just constant, um, um, just consuming, it can be really, really, really tough. And I think envy, maybe not in the sense that like, you know, I think maybe for guys it's, it's an issue. Um, I just envy people that are just, you know, normal height. That's all I envy people <laughs> of a little bit, but I don't generally go on Instagram saying like, Oh dude, I wish I was you know had his life per se but there's definitely things where you're like mm, that'd be pretty sick you know and it can kind of i think just that little acknowledgement can put you in a very far back place where you're losing your peace you know slowly and yeah. slowly you'll start losing your peace in a sense of like i'm like it is pretty hot out here it'd be nice to be in someone you know a place at 65 right now it's just those little things that can rob your peace which mm -hmm. i think is pretty massive or just going on and like um let's just say you go to a certain uh website that you like like a uniqlo or something right i get a lot of stuff for uniqlo i'm like hmm, this looks pretty sweet it's just that constant state of like i don't what i have is not enough you know so yeah. i think that's a big thing of, of envy that i would personally struggle with um and i think that's probably more common for you know people today well i think one of the things that helped me is like the tarot app right like i'm uh, you know instead of me getting like the kia sophia like i'm gonna go get me a lambo right there's a temptation <laughs> that i'm gonna get a lambo i'm gonna just show up there and be like hey what kind of john's kind of rolling kind of Deep sign. <laughs> well, who are those 47 views? Jeez. Dude. George Soros, Bill Gates. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the same thing uh, Miko was saying. It's just, a, it's like a, a hamster wheel of the grass is always greener. Yeah. And you're just never getting out of it, man. And it's, it, it will get you. Mm. You know, it's every day of seeing 
that person has this or why don't I have that? It's it really, it's sense of pride and the self-loathing, right? Oh, yeah. And it's like, there's no satisfaction. And then we lose the sense of gratefulness. Um, so yeah, it, it'll get you. And it's the day-to-day battles of the, like Miko saying, the little things. Yeah. I and I think the social media is just exasperated that issue, right? Because just the, the number of filters and you don't get to see the real person, right? Like getting in and, and the authenticity and sincerity of folks have just gone away. And people just like to project and um, portray a certain image that's really not them. You know, it's just causing so much. Uh, I think and the flip side of this is is that's not where your dignity is rooted in. Therefore, that's why so many people are depressed and suicidal and, and whatnot, because they're, they don't get that right. So even the constant, the devil's telling you, you can do better, you can be better, you can look better. So One final thing. Yeah. You think about social media in general, and you think about the longing why are people envious of other people who have these perfect like goods or you know talents or their face or their body is perfect right because ultimately they recognize that they desire i mean you desire god mm. who's perfect beauty right and they get this sense of like i'm not worthy i'm not getting likes unless i look like this facade of perfection which is not even attainable really i mean it's it's unrealistic and it's often fake Right. So we have this ache of like, I desire perfection. I desire beauty, but I'm looking at it through a lens of a filter. And I'm not actually looking upwards towards a God who's actually the source of all perfection and beauty. Right. Completely misguided. But if you get in touch with that longing, like, yeah, you desire perfection. You desire true beauty. You desire to be known and seen. Right. It, it's just if it's misguided, then you envy this person yeah. rather than looking upwards. Right. That's a key point because I think what you're pointing to is the fact that we all have a sense written in us of what truth, goodness, and beauty really is, right? So when you see something, you can say that, man, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like that, or, or, you know, when you know uh, justice when you experience it because you know injustice, right? And it's like evil, right? Evil is the deprivation of the good. Just like, you know, ugliness is the deprivation of, of beauty. And so we know it. There's a sense of that uh, intuitively we know something that is is the perfected beauty, truth, and, and goodness. Yeah. Um, I was thinking because the antidote said kindness, but I mean maybe a little bit, a little bit just of gratitude and not like the way that's like, hey, at least you're not a kid in Africa. It's kind of gratitude, but just like, you know, really being like, okay, I woke up today. If you really, you know, I think that's what the saints are. Like, wow, yeah, yeah. You know, God gave me this pain today to take yeah. on yeah all right dude which brings me to a good point of wrath for the next one and uh you know i don't know if that just happened you know to fall on me just you know god's <laughs> being funny or that just happened that way um but i guess a definition would be like an inappropriate response to an injustice right done to yourself done to mm-hmm. your neighbor uh, if we had to define it um and sort of i guess the uh the antidote there would just be a little patience so um I don't know. Good, good one for me, I guess. Um, so obviously it's like that enables us to sort of take that step back, right? To be thoughtful, to make an actual appropriate response to say, okay, there's something happening here. There's something that ticked me off. There's an injustice to me in some weird way. Mm-hmm. Let me just take five seconds to really process it. And then let me go on and now make an, an appropriate response. Um, and obviously we can talk about that. You know, personally, I think we all kind of get it in a certain way, but it is really interesting to look at the wrath of, of uh, you look at the climate of today and the wrath of a certain side when things mm-hmm. aren't said. You know what I mean? I think it's important for us to not obtain that same wrath when something happens to us that we disagree with because we're seeing it so prevalent, you know, and 
and those conversations where it's about faith and you can kind of get into it with a coworker or whoever it may be. And you see the anger kind of seep in, mm-hmm. you're like, Oh, you know, what's going on in there? You know what I mean? And it's this sort of lack of, you know, we talked about it a million times, the, your lack of sort of individual justice becomes social justice, but it's also like, you're just your lack of patience or maybe just, mm-hmm. you know, your, your ability to be mature and handle something that maybe just didn't go your way. And uh, that can be seen in obviously a greater scale and what we see of the political climate today. But it's also seen, as we pointed out a million times and everyone else says, just driving down the road, someone cutting you off, whatever it may be. Well, you know, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas will talk about this and he, he and we won't go into the, the six daughters of wrath. But what he talks about is um, that anger is a good thing when it's ordered appropriately. What does that mean? It means that um, there's extremes. It's when the, the issue with the sin of wrath is when you have a disproportionate response to a, an issue. So often I use the example, especially when I'm dealing with men and fathers in particular, is like you, you come in and you're, you get home from work and you step on the Lego that your two-year-old left on the floor and you, you stub your foot and you lose your mind. It's brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. <laughs> I mean, I mean I've, I've done it, right? Thanks, thanks you guys. You guys kept me on my toes, right? So I've done it before, but then you lose your mind like the two-year-old meant to put it right there just so you can step on it, right? Just for you. Welcome home, Pops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just for you. I'm like, I can't wait for Dad to get home, right? I, I, I'm going to get him. I can't wait. Hold on, let me prove it myself. Yeah, I'm going to go put this Lego in front of the door, right? <laughs> it, it's, it, it's that disordered response. The other flip side to us, and you bring this up, is what we see in the culture especially right i i'm thinking about uh, most recently like the kanye west uh you know uh and candace owens wearing the you know white lives matter shirt that everybody's losing their mind right you're you're enabling you're promoting extremism um but yet when you see extremism out there like you know uh people murdering robbing looting burning down churches burning down pregnancy centers um we don't do anything so saint thomas aquinas will say you'll look at that right you'll look at no response to true injustice is evil. No anger shown at all. You're silent. And they'll say that the other side of that where you're losing your mind. I think about my brother, um, uh, Mark Houck, who's, you know, was, could, who faces 11 years in prison for sticking up for his 12-year-old son because a pro-abortion uh, loser was making uh, derogatory statements at his 12-year-old son. I, I know, and you guys aren't even 12. Somebody make a statement to you guys, come at me, right? So what would happen is, so you look at the injustice there and what's happening is that they're overreacting. It's being politicized. We know that. And yet you see that's where the sin lies is that those people that are doing those things um, have a disordinate response to a situation. Keone, mm-hmm. what do you have to say yeah, about rest? Just real quickly, I think it's when you lose any access to empathy when you're angry, and I think at that point it becomes disproportional, right? If I if I no longer see that person as a person, mm. whoever is the whoever wronged me or whoever is this group of people wronging, and that you lose access to empathy, well then most likely uh, the way you're going to go about it is no longer trying to find a proactive solution that's godly. It's probably just trying to escape the situation out of your anger or impatience or pride. So it's just it's just something to keep in mind is that when we have that wrath and when you when you when you step on that two year old your son was no longer your two-year-old son at that moment. Yeah. It was someone, it was, it was this object that impeded your day from sitting on the couch and uh, drinking a cold one. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's really what it was. I lost empathy that it was a two-year-old. I completely lost touch. Yeah. So just keeping in mind the idea of empathy and how, 
you know, once you lose sight of that, you're probably flooded. Um, and your wrath is now disproportional. Yeah. yeah one last point. Cause we're using the thumbnail for the movie seven. Um, you know, the, I guess Kevin Spacey, dude, it's hilarious that it's him. Um, sweet guy, dude, honestly. <laughs> um, anyways, his character, it's, it's literally, I mean, his wrath, he sees the injustice that these people have done through the seven deadly sins and feels like he has to take it into his own hands. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the point of the movie. Interesting. Uh, worth the watch. Maybe. I don't know. I don't like to sort of throw out the, you know, at your own discretion, man. Um, so the next one we got is sloth. Uh, it, it's an interesting definition here. I'm not really sure how I pull this one out. I would say, I mean, I mean, you could, uh, if you want, I think it's at least some sort of, uh, it looks like just a longing for harmony and, and sort of peace. Like you just, you know, you want to be exactly where you are. I don't know. Do you have a, a better definition? I think we all know what a sloth is, but yeah. Yeah. I think that's simply put, right. You're wanting that, that, that harmony, that peace. And it's almost like I'm, it's a comfort in where you're at. Yeah. Well, it says that this is divine. So it, it says that, you know, what you're actually longing for obviously is the peace that stems from the original unity and harmony that we had before the fall. So that's a really good way of putting it. So obviously anybody, we're, when we're lazy, dude, we want that harmony of that bed and those sheets on our, you know, on our body, man. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what it, really what it is just to be yeah. in that space of like, yeah, I don't want to say necessarily comfort. Yeah, it is comfort, but I guess it's like being where you are, you know, and, and that kind of security that you're in, in that place. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's when you think about like, okay, I know Christopher West talks about um, this eternal circular love right? Between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. We're meant to enter into that, right? And in the beginning, we were completely in touch with God in that we received his gift fully, and we responded to that gift fully. But when we're in touch with that, well, we know that there's this, like, we trusted in God the Father so much that we were just just receptive to it, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's almost this sense of simple receptivity, right? But I think sloth is like, it just ends there in our brokenness and it becomes distorted. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just, I'm just going to sit here, right? I'm just, I'm on the couch. Things are feeling good, man. I'm just going to receive this, but there's no response of me being a gift. Now we like, we miss the next part of the, the, uh, the equation, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you received this good. Now go give yourself. Right. Yeah. And I think yeah. we just well, kind of ends there. Yeah. We're, and you see it a lot. I mean, I was there, right. Where you um, I often talk about how it was a spiritual sloth where people are just comfortable in their sin. Sin feels good, right? It's easy. It's non-confrontational. I just want to go along to get along. That's kind of the sloth, right? Where, or, you know what? I don't. I don't. I don't want to ask God because because then that might actually cause me to do something. Well, yeah. It, it literally to. says prevents us from asking God what God might want us to do out of either complete disregard for God's will or because we were afraid that if we asked Him what He wanted, He might actually tell us. Oh, yeah. You know, so we might actually. Yeah. So, so there is a saying out there that says, "Don't ask the question you don't want to hear the answer to." So. That could be sloth, right? Mm-hmm. right that could be yeah, sloth. and the and the antidote to that is diligence. So um, I think that's just a good old whole, like, just doing it, you know, just doing things. And, mm-hmm. and uh, when things are tough, to continue to do them. But in the little um, ways, right? And just being honest, that's the humility. Yeah. Right? You're saying, like, I may not be able to, uh, you know, pray the rosary every day. I may not be in my bag right now because mm-hmm. I barely learn how to talk to God honestly once a week. Right. But just the diligence saying, you know, what, I'm going to make a conscious choice to do that little thing that I can do. Yeah. Right. Whatever that looks like. And that, I think that's the way out, because I think when, when we dive into sloth, we recognize that we've gone further and further and further from accepting the gift. And when we realize that we're so far away, we want to reach perfectionism. Right. We, we, we tend to like or not. We want to reach perfection, but we do it by perfectionism. We say mm-hmm. like, OK, now I need to go all the way to the ultimate end tomorrow because, oh, man, I slipped. 
And what happens? And then we end up failing miserably because we lack humility. And then we end up self-loathing back to back to sloth. <laughs> so I think it's just it's being prudent and, and humble and saying, okay, this is my little response right now. I can do that and working from there. And that's the diligence. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if this uh, this might be a little bit of, of gluttonous overindulgence, but I know probably for our generation, at least my own personal experience, the sloth of just like um, we talked this a ton of times, just doing things that aren't necessarily bad, but when you do them too long or too much, yeah. it can be, you know? And so I, 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 you know, I've been reflecting on that too, where sometimes we've talked about this a ton too, where a lot of my faith can be almost sort of tasks that I want to complete. And then I go, okay, you know, good job, Mika. You know, you did what you're supposed to do as opposed to like actively living it all the time. And the thing is, too, is like when you just get comfortable just going through reels or whatever, and, and they're really funny, dude, and a lot of them are really creative, and it's awesome, but it's like you get lost to it, and then it feels mm-hmm. like you overwrite all the good things that you did that, that throughout that day, you know? Mm-hmm. You read the, the gospel reflection of the day, and, and then the thing is, is now you can't even reflect on it the rest of the day because you're so con- you know, caught up in, in different things, and Donald and Mitchell just got traded, and there's so many, you know, there's a million things to fill in your mind that aren't always bad, but it can just put you in that place of like, ah, man, you know what I mean? And it's like those things are I probably, you know, if we're just trying to make it relevant for everybody, that's probably what we're all struggling with. I know I am mm-hmm. of like that constant. And it is the little things of like, let's just put this down. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm just not going to look at my phone for the first hour of the day I wake up. Whatever those those little decisions are going to be mm-hmm. absolutely massive. And if we're talking about sloth, because obviously the, you know, the biggest people in the world right now are the, are the motivators and the self-starters and, and uh, you know, the Jordan Peterson, Andrew Tate and, uh, what's that one game? Tony Gibbons or R- Robbins? What's his name? Tony, Tony Robbins. Robbins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that guy, even though he's a little bit, it's a little bit uh, past his time. But that, those kind <laughs> of guys, he's been doing it. He's been doing yeah, it. Yeah, those kind of guys, David Goggins. These guys are like the biggest. So it's like, yeah, you know, have the right idea. Like do things when you don't want to do them, and then now just applying that to everyday life. Like good luck, dude. But you know the interesting thing about that because that that's the indirect self love. That's a self reliance. It's all for. Uh, getting ahead, um, it, it's it's going to get into obviously we'll, we'll, it, this probably ties into greed, mm-hmm. right? So we won't. Yeah. So the next one, <laughs> deadly sin, is greed. So greed, simply put, is just the inordinate desire for to say riches, material goods, right? And I think the idea, the longing here, is I guess it is trust, trust in that the work that you're doing has merit. Right. It has purpose. When I don't when I don't believe that, that there's no there's purpose there. What do I do? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking the meaning behind it and I'm going to keep acquiring and acquiring, hoping that I finally attain that meaning. But then I, I completely misread the identity and perspective of it to begin with. And I end up in this endless cycle of acquiring. And maybe at the end, I'll, I'll have to be more worth worthwhile. Right. Then my worth or my merit or my purpose will be revealed. Well, because. You know, first I invested uh, in that duplex and then I went to an apartment and now I'm in commercial. And eventually, if I reach a certain state, then, right, then I'll be, I'll be, uh, the work will will pay off. Then I'll feel this satisfaction, Mm -hmm. right? It's that sense of like this never ending acquisition that the work that I do, I can't simply rest in, right? And it's the idea, and I think it's from Original Sin in that we were drawn to work in cooperation with God from, but what happens in pride, it becomes toil. And it's like that, the sweat of the brow, right? And we're just, we're feeling the grind. And then when we fall in love with the grind, then we think the grind is our answer. 
So I'm going to grind and grind and grind and it becomes my God is the grind. So I'm going to acquire everything. Right. And then it becomes, well, I have this car. Well, now I can be really smart. Right. And then I can, you know, I can, I can get two cars and then I can get an electric car. And then you're, you're justifying so much of just acquiring. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think the antidote is generosity. And I even think for myself as a, as a single income of the home, right. And seeing money in the right way, what better way to do that than to tithe? Yeah. Right. When we think of generosity, um, I mean, God is so good in, in the wisdom of the church, right? He knows that this is not yours and it doesn't mean God is trying to punish you, but he knows that it's trusting like in the, in the parable, right? Like, the birds, do you think they, they worry that they won't get fed? Yeah. How much more does he care about you? He gave you his own, a share in his divinity. And you think he, he doesn't care about whether or not you have, you know, a comfortable home or, a, you know, you have the means to provide for your children. Like he doesn't care. It's this idea that we lack trust. Right. And so I think the antidote to that um, is, is being generous in little ways, recognizing that this dollar bill isn't my worth but it was a gift and I can give that gift and it rightly orders how I perceive the work that I do. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of it is goes back to, you know, when Jesus was asked about, you know, paying taxes to Caesar, right? Give to, give to Caesar what is Caesar, give to God what is God. And I think, it, you know, just to kind of highlight the, the greed pieces, when the possessions, the material wealth become an end in and of itself, right? Because, I mean, obviously money isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's what you do with it. It's, it's, the, is it ordered appropriately? Mm -hmm. So, um, I think we got plenty of examples of greediness out there for sure. Yeah. Um, this, the money situation, which I think obviously greed sums into other things, but as Americans, it's probably our biggest issue because it's, you know, morally irresponsible not to have multiple incomes or all this kind of stuff, you know, the stuff that we've been fed for so long mm -hmm. and the financial freedom and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I came up with this pretty cool quote once that uh, financial freedom is like not when you have enough. It's when you realize that like then money was never yours in the first place mm -hmm. because, um, yeah, that's a, just a journey I've been on. Same thing with Keone when I have this idea of, uh, okay, you know, here's how much debt we're going to have. And I eventually, you know, once we have kids, we'll be a single income thing. But I really want to do ministry and it's so easy to just get caught up in all these things. And, uh, you know, we've all talked about this, but you just lose opportunity for faith. If you had everything figured out, you wouldn't need faith, which is why all of Hollywood doesn't need it. And they drink baby's blood and stay young forever. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like in those moments, it's just an opportunity to be to be uh, to be fully dependent. And then I'll just say this. Um, one last thing too, um, for people who are really interested in, in this sort of money topic and how to have a sort of better relationship with it. And I think what is, what does the church really say? Or what does Thomas Aquinas say? I really encourage everybody to check out new polity because they have completely changed the way I probably view all of my life. And, um, I think it'd just be beneficial for, for every Catholic to sort of understand what the Catholic church actually says about money. How should we use it? Mm -hmm. And then the way that we can, you know, uphold each other as a community, as opposed to, um, you know what I mean? Just stacking up your 401k or all this other stuff. That's just like, ah, oh man, it's just it kind of gets annoying. You know what I mean? Well, we're in this individualistic, you know, yeah. where we're just all about our own. So, so the next one on the list, we're almost there, is almost there. gluttony. So <laughs> I think, you know, most people think of it in regards to food. Um, I guess you can, there's sayings that you're glutton for attention or you're glutton for pain or what have you. But I think the easiest way to, to describe it is in regards to food. And I think there's two routes a lot of people either they overindulge, right? So they don't care about what goes into their body. 
I think that one's kind of easy, right? You're, you're glutton, so you're just overeating, you don't really care, you're not having any uh, sort of self-control, right, whatever. The other one that I think is really getting more and more popular, probably in the last decade or two, is the what's called preciousness, or like caring too much about your food, almost where it becomes like this religion, right? Mm. Like whatever diet that you go into, or whatever, you know, food you're cutting out, or perspective on everything, and, and it becomes almost this food is um is too emphasized right so or people who are so picky where like they have this laundry list of things mm. that's not even like medically necessary but it's just because it's my it's my belief right and it becomes your religion right and and it's it's not seeing food as a gift a doorway to god right a reminder that we're made for the eternal banquet but no 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 it's it's my satisfaction is in that plate mm. Right. And so the, the longing there, when we think of gluttony is well-being, right. And there's, there's all sorts of well-being. You think of well-being, right. Is wanting, you know, the pleasures of this life, right. Well-being and having a, a purposeful life, right. Having meaning and purpose, well-being psychological. I mean, that's huge right now. Mental health, right. Psychological well-being. Um, we have three therapists in the family. So we're in <laughs> tune with psychological well-being, having a positive view of yourself, social well-being, right. Having connections, Right, having actual meaningful relationships that we all desire. Community is huge right now. Post-pandemic, uh, social media, the social well-being is really lacking. So it's no wonder what do people turn to is the food. It gives you this sense of physical well-being, right? Which is the last sense of well-being is physical well-being to be healthier, to be strong, right? And people seek that well-being in the quick fix of food, right? So what is the antidote? The antidote is obviously temperance. It's in seeing that, and I think Christopher West talked about it, um, it's the idea that whenever you have uh, a food, right, and you had that, like, you're, we just had chunk cookie out here in Arizona, and it is, I mean, I, I encourage, if there's a chunk cookie near you, all 47 <laughs> of you, check it out, yeah. because it is fire, right? So, but it's that idea, when I had that last bite, it's like, dang it, almost like there's a sense of, like, it's gone, right, the sadness, yeah. Yeah. right? And what we can do is the choice that we can make is we can, again, remember back to this, the diet, we can starve it. It's back like, oh, that's not there. That's whatever. I'm so in control of my diet, dude. It's whatever, right? Or we can indulge in it and just go get another cookie. Or we can rejoice in that that cookie wasn't meant to satisfy me. It's a reminder that I'm meant to be completely satisfied in heaven. And that is simply a window. It's an icon, not an idol. And I think that's, that's what temperance mm-hmm. is, right? Temperance is seeing it as it is in a balanced way and not making it God simply a window mm. to God who is ultimately going to fulfill me in the next life. Right. So it doesn't have to be a pity party, but you can rejoice in that it's, it's going to happen. You just got to be patient. Right? Yeah. And you have to remember too, we, we bought a couple of bags of frozen junk cookies. So, you know, it's not- <laughs> that's true. It, it will be coming. Yeah. You can always have another one tomorrow. Yeah, the other antidote is actually not temperature. You just keep getting more. That's the other antidote, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's to freeze them so you don't eat it right away but you're gonna have it tomorrow hey it's we're cool. all on the journey yeah, we're all true, on the journey and uh i i, I kind of think chunk cookie named itself after me so well, yeah, whatever yeah. <laughs> uh i'll just say uh, real quick obviously um yeah i just i think fasting and and i think a mm-hmm. real simple one that's really good is just like uh you know for, in terms of food obviously we can get real deep if we want to or you can get deep on your own if you'd like um like if you think about food, right, the the classic like just eat till you're not hungry anymore instead of eating till you're just full and can't move. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really healthy thing to do to start doing, um, you know, because you don't want to be 
obese or anything like that. <laughs> it might be something health. I'm, ah, gosh. Anyways, um, it, in that way, but I think it's just it really. I think it can really change your perspective just on For things sure. in general because I think especially in our, you know, what I mean, fast food and really obese country that we are in, and just this constant need to like fulfill ourselves. It's when you have that perspective of like, you know what. That wasn't great. I just went to the calf in Steubenville. Uh, it's not awesome, but yeah. all good. You know what I mean? I think that can just be a healthy perspective to have in general mm-hmm. because I think about how many, when are we the most angry probably, you know, when something isn't directly happening to us, it's just when we're hungry. So mm-hmm. it's just huge, you know, and then we can give that up and then you start getting to fasting, which is obviously a massive um, thing of importance for us as Catholics. And yeah. Well, it's, it's such a good point because I think the culture tries to push. Now they're trying to normalize obesity. Right. And, and I think, you know, this it's just you think about all of the, the seven deadly sins. Think about what the culture is saying about it. They're screaming from the mountaintops about how we want to make it normal, that it's quite OK to, to overindulge. And, and, and it's not about being comfortable in your body. It's about a free license to do whatever you want to do when you want to do it, how you want to do it to the extent you want to do it, which isn't freedom. That's slavery. Mm-hmm. All right. Last but not least, man. Good old lust. Oh, yeah. And so, I mean, honestly, I think the simplest way to think of lust is treating yourself and others as an object, Mm -hmm. a source of your own pleasure or good, right? Um, And the longing, I think it's beautiful too. When you think about the longing, right? It's, I think it's important to remember as we're going through these that you're not suppressing the longing. The longing is good. The more you get in touch with the longing and rightly order it to God himself, the more it actually becomes less distorted um, and more perfected. Mm-hmm. Right, so we think of this longing what, underneath lust is the longing for communion, right? To be seen and known and loved, to have someone given to me and I can receive that and then become a gift, mm-hmm. right? And that, that's eternal communion. That's, that's the marriage that we're called to in mm-hmm. heaven, right? Where we join into the Holy Trinity, which is this never ending cycle of giving and receiving, right? It just reminds me of, isn't that Joey from Friends? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's going to be a... He's going to like officiate the wedding for one of them. Yeah. Giving and receiving. Yeah. 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 But it's, it, I don't know why that comes to mind every time. Or Robert Snyder doing that. It's a circle. Yeah. That's a good one too. <laughs> yeah. Enough for Nazi Chuck and Larry. But yeah, that's, that's really what it is. Is understanding that, you know, we were meant to be a gift to others. And that's the antidote is chastity. Right? And a lot of people mm-hmm. think chastity is the suppression of that longing. And it's really not. Right, it's using it at the right time in the right way with the right person. And that's in all relationships, not even an intimate relationship, like a sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's how can I love this person at the right time and in the right way? Right. And I think um, I know Christopher West talked about the idea of chastity and he talked about the pianist. Did you, did you watch that episode? I mean, he, yeah. he said, you know, how people who are chased. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, they yeah. don't. How can they make beautiful love? Right. How can, instead of just being loud. And, and like being like erotic in, in today's term, right? Mm-hmm. How can how can people who are chased like really fulfill the passion of love, right? And what he said is he basically goes up and plays the piano. And he just starts banging on the keys. Yeah. He's like, anyone can make noise, right? And then he had someone who went up and played a beautiful piano piece. He's actually played. He's like, how did you play that beautiful song? Well, practice, diligence, sacrifice. He's like, that's chastity. He's saying in the little moments, I'm going to die to myself because it's not the right time. Mm-hmm. And when the time comes to do that, whether it's the, the marital embrace or whether it's, you know, consoling someone else, you've practiced. And so your love is perfect mm-hmm. or at least as perfect as it can be given your state in life and where you're at in your spiritual journey. That's, that's the chase way. And it's, it's no longer seen now as like, just ignore like the urge, like just act like it's not there. Right. But you're in touch with it and knowing 
that there's something you can do with it, right? There's another way. You don't have to indulge in it, but you don't have to act like it's not there. Yeah. That it's meant to be there because you're meant for eternal communion. Yeah, I think you bring up, and this is why I encourage everybody to to really break into theology of the body because it has so much it's so much depth um, depth to it. And of course, Christopher West and TOB Institute, people like Bill Donahue, they've kind of broken open this, but it's really from the mind of JP too. Um, and, you know, talk about redeemed arrows, not suppressing it, but redeeming that desire rightly ordered towards really God. Um, but you brought up this thing about seeing and, he, and Christopher West talks about uh, being seen, not looked at. And I think that's the part with the less pieces. Uh, today's world would say we see each other as tools, not as temples of God, temples of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's just another way to be able to say, like, we have to get back pre-fall and have the eyes of Adam where he saw Eve as the best part of himself, right? Bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, which that's a superlative. They didn't have superlatives. So when they said that, that meant this was to the greatest part of me, right? We saved, we saved the three times for God. But when we say bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, Adam was saying pre-fall, Adam was saying that Eve is the best part of me. And so seeing one another as the person that they are and really as a gift from God. Yeah, I think, um, you know, just a quick point being, that what we've been saying is like there's always this sort of like three responses and it's to completely shun it like it's not a thing which is you know common um and a lot of i think what uh sort of like protestantism kind of made that really popular in america um and there's just like you know uh basically now our world is just overindulgence and everything and it's as long as it moves you know what i mean it's game i guess and then um and then there's just like <laughs> rightly ordering it and that's that's the whole point you know so it's not to shame anybody as if like, oh, you deal with temptations? Nice, Satan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Go to hell. Or it's like, okay, yeah, yeah we all get that. And so, um, and I know, I remember just being in like the confession and then, you know, a priest being like, you know, you're like this, we all feel the same things, dude. It's just about like, you know what I mean? Like acknowledging in, in a way like, oh, you know, thank you God, this person's beautiful. You know, yeah. just because I'm a priest doesn't mean all of a sudden I'm just asexual and I'm, you know, and just, oh, yeah, you, 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 you know what I mean? It's like we all feel it, which is a, a good thing. And I think probably something that we missed as a church and preaching to people because it's a frightening thing and it's really hard because you want to have that, you know, control. Yeah. Be like, guys, don't don't fall into it. And uh, I'll just say, as you know, if you've been a, a viewer of this, you know, I have a really bad habit of watching reality TV with my wife. And uh, I swear for so many of them, though, it's always like this. I've been cheated on in every relationship. I think what's important is not to be like, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you might deserve that in a certain way because you did whatever, but it's, that's not the point. It's just like recognizing that like, hey, maybe this this theory that I've had in my whole life isn't just the right one, you know? I think that's, mm -hmm. all, that's all where you, if you're thinking about sort of how do I approach this topic and something that, you know, Jason Everett or, or, or Christopher West do an awesome job of, it's just making you realize that it's disorder. It's not going to give you the, the end that you want it to, you know? Yeah. And, um, I think that's the most important thing when you're thinking about it. Cause if you can't learn to really hate the sin or see why it's disordered, then you'll never be able to overcome it. The yeah. first step, understand that like, all right, man, maybe this isn't going to work out for me. Yeah. And I think that's what we were trying to do. That's right. Give you the underlying, you know, what's the longing there so that yeah. you, you're not mm -hmm. just trying to, because again, that's the church has suffered from Manichaeism, right? You think about the Puritan, Puritanic view of things. I mean, even Buddha, you think about the, the eight different ways It's like, you know, it's soul, good, body, bad. How do I separate them? And that's not the way God made us. He made us as a, a body soul composite. And so I think it's just helping us understand uh, what really what the longing is so you can better understand it, name it, tame it, and then understand how you can, you know, uh, redeem that in a, in a virtuous way. Any parting words, Keone? No, I think it's just asking yourself throughout the day, 
um, whatever struggle you're having, like, Lord, where are you right now? Mm -hmm. Right. Getting in touch with, uh, the situation where he is, but also in your heart, right. If you're struggling with anger, like, Lord, what do you, what is this ache for justice? Right. Or if I'm struggling with lust, Lord, where is this ache for communion or beauty Mm -hmm. or being a gift? Right. And it's just, it's not, it's not a bad thing that you're having the ache. Right. But it's how we respond to that. Um, and so I think that question alone is almost so freeing instead of like, Oh shoot, I felt the temptation. dude. What am I going to do? I got to put a plug on it. Right. And it's like, no dude, like it's a, it's a beautiful thing when it's rightly ordered. Right. So just accepting it as a gift first and foremost, offering it to God, including him in. Cause oftentimes we have it, we're trying to fight it. Like God no longer becomes part of it. Mm. It's like, well, I'll see you when I uh, battle this demon. I'll see you on the other side of the door, God. And say, no, no, no. Thank you, Lord that I desire communion so much, help me to fulfill it through you, mm. right? It becomes a prayer. Like, it's an icon, not an idol. Mm. Uh, I think just having that perspective in the day-to-day battles, keep talking about the little way, um, you can really get in touch with that eros, right? That fire in your heart, that true ache for God, and it'll be lived out uh, in abundance um, in, in whatever your state in life is. Yeah, Thanks. I'm talking to myself probably on this one more than anyone else, but I think that the maybe one of the antidotes to all seven is probably just silence, you know, just being able to give yourself the time to sit there. Like we talk about the patience for, for wrath or whatever. I think if you can give yourself some time in silence or just some time to ask yourself the questions that Kenny uh, said um, just right now in his parting words. Um, and I think that's probably a really massive one. Cause if you can give your time, if yourself the time to slow down, a lot of times you probably just make a better decision, yeah. but also you'll be able to like reflect on the things like a, a podcast and be able actually to hear those things. Unlike me, you know what I mean? I go and I'll do these morning prayers. And then the next thing I know, I'm just, you know, trying to figure out, I'm <laughs> trying to figure out how the jazz can really, you know, get to the top three seed this year in the Western's conference. And it's like, well, that's because you listen to Bill Simmons again, Miko. Um, and so I think that's a big thing is like giving yourself the time and space to actually be able to do something. Cause if not, it's like, you know, that's why the saints and everybody is so obsessed with silence. Cause it's like, otherwise you can't hear God. You can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah, I know we now so we covered again the seven deadly sins or no the seven capital sins. It was interesting when we were preparing for the show because I, I found that there was actually an eighth deadly sin. Mm-hmm. And it, it was and I think you had alluded to this yeah, in yeah. several episodes yeah. about that, right? Yeah. Do you remember what that was? Yeah, I think it was like not, you know, watching the podcast or Yeah, it was it's avoiding it, the time it takes to watch a podcast and like it, I can yeah. get what it. But but yeah. it was specific to the World of Blaze PBK podcast. Yeah, for some reason it was it was weird. I was just like, how did the, the ancient, you know, like the yeah. ancients, um, all of them consider all of that and say, we well, you know, how do we, uh, how how are we going to further our virtuous life by, you know. Uh, liking and following the world of blaze podcast so hopefully this is you know we're just kidding obviously some of you are taking it seriously you're writing down number eight we didn't mean that we're just kidding seven deadly sins seven capital sins hopefully this was helpful for you understand the longing god loves you he wants better from you so we appreciate you being with us you know like follow share do what you need to do comment subscribe you know how we do it get holy or die trying god's peace